0: said it all along, yeah, what it is is what it is, and tonight in just a few seconds if you can wait because I can't, what it is. What it
1: What up? What up, fight fans? Welcome back to episode 232 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast here on The Boxing Rant. I'm Kenny Keith, and I'm joined, as always, by Vince Cummings. What up, Vince? What's
0: going on, brother? Uh, after all the times that we've had to come on this goddamn show and eat crow for just the absolute worst picks ever, ah, for once I get to gloat in my winnings from the Williams upset. Oh, it's so lovely. God bless it. Thank thank the Lord. <laughs> Finally, for once, I get to rub
1: everybody's fucking face in it, Ken. <laughs> hey, man, I think there's some people out there showering in the cage with you. Hey,
0: there was a couple people that jumped on it.
1: Yeah, man. Hey, you're an influencer now. We need to get a check next to your name on Twitter. No,
0: if that happens, I'm out. <laughs> 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 that, means, that means the man is watching, brother.
1: Oh, yeah. The big brother is watching. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, yeah, it was a, a, a great fight to attend. Uh, Jarrett Hurd versus Julian Williams from George Mason University in Fairfax, Virginia. We'll get to all the action um, from that slobber knocker on the PBC on Fox. Uh, we had a rematch of Miguel Burchelt versus Francisco Vargas, a rematch between Emmanuel Navarrete and Isaac Dogbe. Uh, we got a fight preview. Deontay Wilder back in action. Gary Russell makes his annual appearance. And the World Boxing Super Series, back in action as well um and some news and notes uh we appreciate all of you tuning in once again to the 232nd episode of the tale of the tape boxing podcast here on the boxing rant be sure to subscribe to the show on itunes spreaker and spotify and drop by the boxing rant youtube channel today follow us on twitter at vince cummings 81 and at kenny keith jr All right, Vin, uh, this past Saturday night, we made the journey southward to Fairfax, Virginia, and Eagle Bank Arena on the campus of George Mason University for the IBF and WBA Junior Middleweight Championship of the World. As the D.C. native Jarrett Hurd defended his straps against the kid from Philly, J-Rock Julian Williams. In the lead-up to this fight, Vin, um, you were trumpeting. Fight of the year candidate right here. Do not miss this one. Um, we have always been huge fans of Julian Williams. Back when we used to do prospect lists, J-Rock once um, sat on that list and ranked very, very highly by both of us. Jarrett Hurd has just made a great career for himself. Uh, the thundering herd from the Washington, D.C. area, um, taking straps, doing it physically, doing it in a way that has just made him endearing to fans. Um, and all the while, you know, J-Rock has kind of been lurking in the shadows for his next big shot to see if that talent that you and I have touted so highly um, over the years uh, would finally see its um, you know, way to, to, to full maturity. And the absolute astounding performance that Julian Williams put on in this fight and kind of giving Jarrett Hurd that put-your-head-down, you know come-forward-type snowball-rolling-downhill-momentum-style, juggernaut-style fighter, a little bit of his own medicine with just a, sh- a super sharp, super aggressive, and accurate inside game himself, what a fight!
0: Yeah, Ken. I don't. I you know I'm trying to remember. There has there certainly hasn't been a fight this year, and I'm trying to remember a fight last year, and I, I really can't think of a performance where I've seen a fighter so dialed in, just on it, from the opening bell from from round one to round twelve, all three minutes of every round the fight was almost really never in question I, you know i thought it was a 116-111 fight live there the fight was so damn good i came home and watched it immediately when i got home and i, I it was 117-111 i mean he he controlled almost every aspect of that fight i was so impressed and and credit goes to to breadman here for that game plan and those guys came in with a plan Stuck to it. Some of, there were so many factors in this fight that that kind of led to the, this the way this fight played out on the on the end of of Jarrett Hurd and for Julian Williams. I, I don't I don't know if you remember, but remember when Hurd was walking in and I, I looked at you and said I have never seen so many goddamn people walk into the ring with somebody. You had the Redskins marching band, you know. Now we had a word of uh, of what Hurd's locker room was pre-fight. Music playing, getting haircuts, laughing, joking. I'm not saying they weren't taking it seriously. I'm sure they were taking it seriously. But there's a big difference in in boxing. You know, you always see guys get these homecoming fights, right? But when most guys get a homecoming fight, they don't pick an opponent as good as Julian Williams. And I get it. Everybody kind of dismissed Julian after that knockout loss, which was completely and utterly a mistake by every pundit, every fan, anybody that knows boxing and has watched Julian Williams' career and knows how he approaches the game and approaches the sport. The guy is a a tactician. He is such a student of the game and is all about improving. And this wasn't about, you know, for, I believe with with all my heart that this was a buildup. They they worked towards this fight. You know, there's there's four there's been four fights since the charlo knockout to get to this fight with Hurd, and some of those performances weren't as good as you thought you know you, you would expect to see from them but this was a process of them building and building to this fight i think they did it so well they did it so smart as a team effort it was just i i, I could not come away from it any more impressed i mean just look at it during that fight when you see the corners the difference in the way the corners were Hurd's corner was frantic. They, they they there was no direction it's like who's in charge here why is there so much fucking commotion what are you squeezing the the, the coagulate or or adrenaline or, or on a pad it, it, you see it dripping into Hurd's eye and he's he's squinting he's he's got coming out of the round with vaseline in his eye he can't freaking see it's like these are the type of things that moving forward for Jared Hurd you're at the top of the game and he's been there for over a year now and he's fought elite fighters, but he's never been in trouble like he was in this fight. And as you could tell, the corner did not know how to react under any adversity whatsoever. And it cost him big time. And then you you look over to Julian's corner, and you you got Breadman just leaning over the ropes and giving instructions in the ear. You got the Cutman coming in, doing his work, is very calm. It's, it, it's a completely you know, a complete 180 from what Hurd's corner looked like. All these factors came into play that I'm talking about to lead to what was, uh, it's the performance of the year to this point. It is going to be in the fight of the year conversation. I said it was fight of the year after the fight there. When I watched it on TV, the only reason I wouldn't say it isn't fight of the year is because it was kind of a dominant performance. It was never really in doubt that much. The performance that Julian Williams put on made it, you know, more of a fight of the year than it maybe it should be.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask you about that when you said that you, you know, rescored it differently, you know, after, um, you know, seeing the fight live in person and then watching it on TV um, after the fa- uh, fact and, you know, how much that would, you know, sway you on that. Um, you know, I think it has to do with this. I think it has to do with the fact that, you know, Hurd was game all night. Yeah. He was there. He was there the entire time. Um, Julian Williams came and fought, you know, Heard's fight to an extent. You know what I mean? He he took the game plan that Heard likes to use and um you know kind of used it against him. I have to say that sometimes what goes into a fight of the year is just it's it's you know, it's the overall competitive feel of the fight. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like regardless of what of of what the rounds are being scored. Now, obviously, you know, you're not gonna see a fight that's you know, 120 to 108 is gonna be a fight of the year. I know that, um, you know, rounds are decided round by round and some of them are razor thin and somebody's got to win these rounds. I mean, that's just the way that it works. But I think you'll agree. Being there in the arena, that fucking crowd was into that fight. I mean, there weren't very many people that were sitting down watching that fight. I mean, when that thing started to get like real heated and the action was really, really aggressive, I mean, it was good from the onset of the fight. But when we were in the middle of that fight, and 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 that crowd was definitely uh, there, trying to motivate and lift their guy herd up, right? And I I just felt the vibe in there reminded me, um, you know, just of just great great moments in sport. You know, uh, whether it's a you know an NFL playoff game or whether it's an NBA playoff game, or you go you know you see a Caps playoff game on the way to their Stanley Cup final, or. You know, you remember the crowd when Miguel Cotto dropped Sergio Martinez at um, at Madison Square Garden, or remember the crowd's reaction when Lomachenko hit Linares with that body shot. I mean, there's just these moments, but but in this fight, it seems sustained throughout the fight. Just the energy in the arena. Um, it was a great crowd, and I tell you what, man, that was one of the most fun fights that I've ever been to. I mean, even the crowd at the Turning Stone, right? call uh, versus Matisse. That was a rowdy, lively crowd. But this crowd had a beat, man. Everybody that was there was there to see a great fight, and they got a great fight. And regardless of what the scorecards say, regardless of you know uh, the inevitable clear result here with Julian Williams lifting the IBF and WBA 154-pound straps, I think it's you know regardless of what J-Rock's path forward after this fight. In um, defending these belts, I think Jarrett Hurd is a is a, a worthy and deserving of a rematch. Just based off of, give the guy the opportunity, go to Philly, do the rematch there, and give Hurd the opportunity to make some adjustments. I'd love to see this again.
0: Yeah, I, you know, we'll see if they run it back immediately or if it happens, you know, after Julian gets a possibly another unification fight with the uh, winner of Charlo Harrison coming up here down the road. Which, to me, at the, the thought of Jermel Charlo beating Tony Harrison, getting his belt back, and Julian fighting, uh, we'll say the little brother. He's not really the little brother. But the smaller of the Charlos and getting revenge in that whole scenario coming into play, that fight would be absolutely huge. The Herd fight rematch would be absolutely huge. I, I'll tell you what this did more than anything. Williams winning this fight and, 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 and Harrison beating Jermel Charlo uh, earlier this year. It, it's opened up 154 pounds, man. 154 pounds is wide open. There's a ton of talent. There's a lot of good fights that can be made. And guess what? People might lose fights. You know, good fighters might lose a fight. God forbid a, a good fighter loses. It does not mean... Jarrett Hurd did not lose anything in the eyes of boxing fans by losing that fight on Saturday night. Nobody lost any respect for the man. Nobody... Nobody's questioning the guy's skills, the guy's heart. None of that. He proved he's got every every bit of championship medal that it takes to compete at the highest level in the sport. And 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 quite frankly, I, I you know uh, the 154 pound division was kind of flailing like two years ago. You had champions and you know two brothers as champions, but there wasn't really like. It kind of seemed stagnant at times. Now,
1: well, and Laura was kind of just like floating in the periphery.
0: Right now, now we have some juice behind it. The division's got uh, the the possible matchups that you, a, any which way you can slice it. I mean, you still got the young kid. You know, like Erickson Lubin got uh, got destroyed and knocked out in the first round. I, I still don't think that kid can be completely dismissed in this scenario. You know, there's a there's so much talent at 154 pounds. And I think the, you know, more than anything, the biggest thing to take away from Saturday night is that, and J-Rock said it in the ring after the fight, don't give up on a fighter because he lost a fighter, got knocked out. Every great fighter throughout history. I mean, fuck, Tommy Hearns dropped Roberto Duran on the ropes with one of the most vicious, it's a top 10 knockout in the history of the sport of boxing. Do people look at Roberto D- Duran any less
1: because of that? No, they actually look at Roberto Duran as a greater fighter than Tommy Hearns in history.
0: Absolutely. You know, it's, it's, it's insane. The And it's, it's kind of the new, this, the new age of boxing, the Mayweather post Mayweather era that is very fucking annoying where the, the O is everything and, and promoters do the best to have their fighters hang on to it. I've said it a hundred fucking times on the show. A loss in boxing when fought hard and well, like Jarrett Hurd did the other night, does nothing to their career. They don't take a step back. Okay. They may not be the A-side next time coming in. Well, guess what? Julian Williams wasn't the A-side. He gave up everything, and he's given up everything in the two fights that he's gotten and and chances to become champion. Because, look, that's what you got to do sometimes. And if that's the case, sometimes you come in hungrier. Sometimes that's what a fighter needs to to reignite their, their 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 love for the sport or get them just that extra drive to take them to the next level with their performance. I look to me, I, we've been to a lot of really good fights. All right, we've picked some some really good ones over the year, and and I've been to so many now that I'm not going to go to every fight anymore. I'm not going to go to five fights a year. I'm not going to travel. I'm going to wait and bide my time and and look for a fight that I think is. When I see it on paper, I go, that's the one right there. I got, I got to be at that fight because that's a no doubt fight of the year candidate or, or a no doubt entertaining fight from start to finish. And that's what makes boxing great, man. And these days, these matchups don't come around that often. And, and when they do, I'm, I'm, I, I fucking like the fights like this. I'll, I'll go back and watch that fight another two times this year because It's just a great fight, man. And you, we don't get enough of them and I I appreciate the hell out of them when, especially when I can be there live to witness it, but even watching on TV, it's when the sport is done right to me, there is nothing like the excitement of a huge fight like that when it lives up to everything that you expect it to be. And, and I'm going to say this lived up to it and even more on that night, just a, just a, a great night for the sport of boxing on Fox the pbc knocked it out of the park putting this fight on fox so uh, it's it's great for the sport across the board I, you know i couldn't be happier as a boxing fan after that
1: yeah i just thought it was hilarious when uh, um i posted to the boxing rant twitter account a photo of us at the fight they were like what you're at a pbc fight i thought you guys were pbc haters <laughs> right. It's like, dude, you all don't get it at all. You you know you pick and choose. You listen to whatever you know, ten or fifteen minutes of a show. You hear something you don't like. You get all fucking butt hurt, and then you run. You know, you run off to suckle on mom's teat. It's it's like, <laughs> dude, dude. The bottom line is is that it, you get the sport how we see it. If we see a fight or 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 a drama or whatever it is within the sport of boxing, you're you're just gonna get it like a. An honest assessment of that situation as a boxing fan that follows the sport, period. And guess what? It just so happened that the PBC put on a fantastic fight. It was local. We went. We paid. I mean, dude, we didn't get fucking freebie, uh, you know, Groupons. We paid fucking $170 a piece for these tickets. And and, and it was well worth it. Great seats. Great small venue that only holds about 10,000 people. Just a perfect sort of intimate environment. Um, for a big fight like this, and it was perfect. you know, you put this fight in Verizon Center with eighteen thousand people in downtown d c and the arena's only halfway filled. I don't think it has the same vibe. I think it's still exciting, but I think just put it was it was perfectly set. and one of the biggest criticisms that we gave the PBC during their initial two years of the of the giant cash grab was is that they didn't give a fuck where these fights were being put on. whatever promoter that they could get to to put on their promotions to keep al uh you know seemingly on the periphery of the muhammad ali act right um that's the promoter they used and that's kind of where the fight was at you know what i mean it didn't matter i mean for god's sake they put a carl frampton's u.s debut fight on you know right where where trump's building the wall in el paso texas you know the worst
0: decision ever man
1: right and those were the kind of decisions that they were making but guess what this was a great decision um, and you know, it all works out like this with great matchmaking, um, you know, good promotion and, uh, you know, they did it right. And, uh, I'll always remember this fight, you know, I'll add the ticket stub to my collection of, uh, of ticket stubs. And I can't wait to, you know, see the next big fight in the area. You know, fortunately, um, refunds were issued for the, uh, the fight on May 25th with Usyk pulling out with the injury. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to the career of Devin Haney. But um, I don't know if that is uh, him headlining against some some guy he's supposed to beat um, is going to be worth that money won and the uh, you know the extravagant night out that would accompany it being at the MGM National Harbor. Yeah,
0: one, one look, I love Devin Haney as a prospect, but I'm not in the business of paying 180 to go see a prospect do work against a guy that they're just you know adding a win to their to their
1: ledger. Sorry, I'm
0: not in that business.
1: So, have you sent Eddie Hearn the uh, a thank you letter? I, oh,
0: I will be. So you know, you know me. If you know me and 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 my uh, my love for Mister Sir Edward Hearn, yes, you know I will let him know uh, how happy I am that he is uh, such a graceful, grateful uh, promoter of the sport and lo- always looking out for the fan. Ken. pay per view is dead in America, but long live pay per view in the UK. Can long live.
1: Ye- <laughs> you know how in the pvc all the fighters they you know they say after the fight thank you al Heyman. well the way that eddie likes to be thanked um you know by american fans since you have to uh you know send it by by mail uh you know across to the united kingdom is when you sign your name at the bottom make sure you put on some red lipstick and open up your mouth and then kiss the paper and then cut a hole inside of the lipstick <laughs> So then that way he can have some fun. He might get a paper cut, but, you know, at least uh, he'll feel appreciated. The
0: carrier pigeon will have it there uh, right on time, Ken.
1: (laughs) Oh, shit. Um, All right. So Jarrett Hurd uh, lost his belts to to Julian Williams. Uh, J-Rock is now the unified junior middleweight champion of the world. Um, Some big things ahead. uh, Really makes you look forward even more to the Harrison Charlo rematch. Um, so let's take it across to uh, Tucson, Arizona event on ESPN. It was a rematch, Miguel Burchelt versus Francisco Vargas 2. Coming into this fight, um, I, was, I was pretty clear about my sentiments, my opinions about one, this was just expired. The, the last fight, which was a fight of the year, you know, happened two years ago. And we had noticed, uh, you know, over probably like the three years before that, from 2014 to 2017, that Francisco Vargas had been in some some wars. Um, his face was worse worse for wear, uh, just cutting excessively. The guy could not escape a fight without some just dramatic bleeding, and um, you could just tell. I mean, his best days were behind him, and he's he started to become a shadow of himself. And this fight went exactly how we thought it would um Miguel Burchelt just too too young too strong and uh and far less shop warm uh you know give all the credit in the world to a brave in in the ring warrior like Francisco Vargas because that's exactly um you know what he is and he's left some indelible moments And, and and for newer listeners newer boxing fans those that haven't followed uh the career of Francisco Vargas just watch the last three or four years of his career and you will uh have uh um you know uh, a favorite fighter that you can fucking, you know, school your boys on boxing knowledge while you're drinking at the bars. Because i tell you what, man, Francisco Vargas, um, this Bud's for you. Yeah,
0: oh, absolutely. If you're a fight fan, he's uh, he's given about everything he can give a- as a fighter. And there's nothing you can do as a fight fan but appreciate what the three or four uh, fight of the year type nights that he's provided in the sport. I mean, the Salido fight, the first Vargas fight, uh, now, you know, The punishment now luckily uh Joel Diaz threw in the towel early enough and you know stopped the fight and that that was it and we didn't need to see the guy take any more punishment you know he was game (laughs) he came to fight there's no doubt about it he just doesn't have the firepower for a guy like Miguel Burchelt who's in his prime uh he seems to be right now you know I don't want to call him the man at the division because there's not there's there's too much up in the air at 130 pounds to say, well, he's the man at 130 pounds. But he is certainly in the conversation. And I thought I thought it's pretty interesting, you know, especially with top rank, kind of needing opponents for Lomachenko. Uh, Burchelt talking about moving up to 135 pounds. I think at 135 pounds, the style that he fights, um, you know, I think Lomachenko beats him, but I at least think it could be an interesting fight. Because Burchelt brings it, man, and, and that's all you can ask for from a guy like Burchelt. He's highly skilled. Uh, he's got an unbelievable motor. You know, whatever happens with this kid's career moving forward, I'm all in. If it's going to be a Lomachenko fight, it's going to be a Lomachenko fight. You know, the kid might get beat. So be it. I guarantee you, he'll put he'll give us a hell of an effort on the way to taking that loss.
1: Yeah, you know, I like him moving up to that weight if that's what they need to do for our opponents. I, I, You know, I completely agree. Um, it would be nice, though, if you could get a guy like uh, Tank Davis to yeah. possibly fight somebody legitimate like Miguel Burchell, but that sure shit isn't going to happen. Dave have got um,
0: Gary Russell and Tank going back and forth now, baby.
1: Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Gary Russell will be 45 years old before Floyd Mayweather lets that fight happen. So that, <laughs> so, so, so that means that it could possibly happen three or four fights from now for Gary Russell. I'll be Russell. dead and gone by then. Yeah, we all will. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, look, I don't even know where they got this this mandatory that that Tank Davis is going to be honoring. Like everybody's giving Tank shit when they said this guy's name, and uh, they're like, "Who, who?" And then of course the Leonard Ellerby's and, and Floyd Mayweather is like, you know, they chime in, "Oh, oh, he's fighting his mandatory." Like, well, where did you guys find him, and how much did you pay the WBA to make him the mandatory? Yeah. Uh, I mean, okay, is it, the fights in Baltimore, right? Baltimore is closer to us. It's a shorter drive. It's a it's it's a much it's actually a much closer drive than the drive we just made to Fairfax, Virginia, for the Hurd versus Williams fight. But I'm not going to Baltimore to watch Tank Davis fight some guy I've never heard of. It, it would be the same thing as us going down to the MGM National Harbor to, to see Devin Haney fight a tomato sure, team. If it was if it
0: was a uh, Tank and, and Tevin Farmer, sure, I'll be there. You can- oh, absolutely. But- i'd be there with bells but, on yeah I,
1: and, and a tmt hat. <laughs> you,
0: you don't, you ain't wearing no fucking tmt hat. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah absolutely dude i mean it's like, like that's what you know as a fight fan that's i'm not gonna go to fights like that man i'm not interested that you know you know what that is that's what a homecoming fight usually is yeah. a mandatory that gets a you know, that comes from a sanctioning body that takes a Brown envelope to move a guy up fucking five spots that you've never heard of that. Nobody knows. And you know, there you'll, there'll be those fucking people out there that'll, Oh, you know, this guy's this and that. And you didn't see that one. Fi-. Look, man, the guy is not in tanks class and it's not worth it. Sorry.
1: I mean, Alabama ain't, ain't, ain't playing LSU in fucking death Valley for their homecoming no, game. That's right? no, not how it works.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. All right. Um, let's get to uh Emmanuel Navarrete versus Isaac Dog Bay too. This is exactly what we thought it was. I hope. Well, I actually don't care. I think it would be kind of funny if Carl Moretti has a lot of money tied up in Isaac Dog Bay. Um, you know, it would it, it, it ain't, it, ain't know, his money. <laughs> it it would serve that front runner right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Well, who knows? With 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 old honest Bob out there speaking in 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 geriatric delusions, he (laughs) Carl might be in charge of the bank account right now. (laughs) You never know. But I hope they haven't paid this guy because he is just look, man. You don't want to call anybody that goes in the ring and does what these you know what these guys do a fraud. But you know, you know the way that I think. Um, well you can call the people that promote him frauds you know what i mean it's like it's like wow you guys really did a shitty job p- trying to pull a fast one on everybody cuz not only did you was the matchmaking absolutely horrendous the first go round but then you ran it back just just thinking for for one you know brief second this is what happens when you get three people in the room that all agree on a bad idea <laughs> you know what i'm saying they're like, they're like yeah just run it back he just had a bad night no yeah, he had a
0: bad training camp this that and the other
1: stop stop yeah. he's not good what did i say he was okay he's javier fortuna yeah. that's it that's it get over it move on making him an opponent and let's get some other put him in there with some guys that'll make exciting Boy. fights don't don't ever put him in there with a Mexican ever again, okay? Put him in with a slow white guy. Well, the
0: funny part is, is he talked about moving up in weight. It's like, dude, you're small for your weight class already. But And he's garbage, dude. He's not good. Top rank was at least smart enough to get those options on Navarrete, though. They got those, yeah. baby. <laughs> that, was a, uh, that was a swift beatdown, man. I mean, I felt bad watching it because it's like it's a complete repeat of the last fight almost. Dog Bay has nothing. He he can't do anything but kind of lunge in from way out of range with wild shots. Uh, and, and Navarrete just fucking picks him off right down the middle all night. And after he hits him down the middle, he comes over the top or comes around with a hook. And you're just watching this dude just eat shots. I, I thought they waited too long to stop the fight. I thought the fight could have been stopped in seventh, eighth round. Uh, he took more beating than he had to. I, mean, I would say this. You know, were those fights on that top rank card, were were they decent scraps? Yeah, they were decent scraps, pretty good fights, entertaining. But they went how we all knew they would go. You know, they both played out to, they 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 both went to script perfectly. And, you know, it, it is what it is. But those are the type of fights where, you know, you're sitting there watching, you're like, ah, right, man. When you get halfway through these things, you're like, okay, this, this other guy's just kind of just taking a fucking pounding here. Let's, let's save this <laughs> guy's life.
1: Yeah, one was uh um you know washed up, and uh, the other one was just a straight up never will be. Um, I don't think there's any other way to put it. All right, l- you know, let's get past the uh, the ESPN card. So those were your you know your big fights from the weekend, your post fight here on episode 232. Let's get to the fight preview. Then uh, we got the return of the WBC heavyweight champion Deontay Wilder squaring off against Dominic Brazil in a grudge match on Showtime from Barclays Center. Um, this May 18th, uh, you know, this fight is a grudge, a grudge match. That's, I guess, gone back, you know, it's been a few years now, um, gotten personal, um, some beefs, uh, you know, between groups, some, some family members insulted, uh, um, you know, uh, murders threatened, um, you know, all kinds of crazy talk, uh, you know, around this, um, you know, I got it from a, at the time it seemed bizarre, but it also seemed kind of appropriate, um, for Deontay Wilder to go so ballistic Um and trying to bring some attention to himself because I think when all that stuff was unwinding with him and Dominic Brazil, Deontay Wilder was a guy um, of his electricity that deserved more attention than he was getting, Um, and he took it into his own hands to bring attention to himself. Wouldn't you say?
0: Oh yeah, I think uh, you know in the last since that incident, and I'd say in the last year and a half or so, you kind of you've seen him transform into a guy that's really. You know, he he is just trying to sell himself. You know, every time you see him on camera, he's got a he's got a different personality. He's got this the approach of the way he's approaching these fights and these these interviews, and it just it's got a completely different feel than when he was coming up. When he was kind of just happy-go-lucky boy from Alabama, you know, daughter, he he's fighting for his daughter, this, that, and the other. Now it's there's a completely different feel to it when it comes to a Deontay Wilder fight. And look, I'm I'm happy for him. Because, quite frankly, the personality that the guy has and the style that he fights in, he should be a hell of a lot more popular than he, than he is. And this guy should be a, a, a superstar in the sport of boxing. For God's sakes, he's the first American heavyweight champion for a long, long time. And there's still a lot of people that have no clue who, Deont- who Deontay Wilder is. And if they would just sit down and watch one of his fights, most likely they would become a fan. they'd look at him and they'd go, and that style is wild, but damn, that fight was entertaining as hell. And, and when you, when you carry the type of, you know, just dynamite knockout power, one punch, just put to sleep power that he has. That's all you need. Like you see all these, they, they keep releasing all these weird ass training videos where he's like getting Frisbees thrown at him and he's dodging <laughs> them. It's like, what the fuck is this? But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. None of that matters. It's all about that dynamite stick in that right hand. That's all he's doing. You know he in the uh, latest all access for this fight to watching it uh, the other night, he talks about the, the fury fight and how this was the fr- that was the first fight where he tried too hard to get the knockout. And when he just relaxed in the fight and let it come to him is when it happened and it, ha- it he knocked him down twice. And if you watch the fight, you'll see that, you know, in those moments, he was just being patient, just waiting for that opening because there's, I don't know if there's, I don't want to say that. I'm not, I was going to say, I don't know if we've seen a right hand that's that fast and that snappy in heavyweight boxing history, but God forbid you make that statement. And, and you know, every fucking troll in the world comes at you, but you know what I mean when I'm saying that there's something special with that right hand, the, the quickness, the power, the accuracy that it, that he is able to land with is fucking unbelievable. And I will, you know, this this fight is what it is, man. I mean, let's not fucking, you know, let's not let's not sugarcoat this. Okay, this fight ain't going the distance. Dominic Brazil ain't ain't gonna last in this fight. I'm sorry, he's a he's a game fighter. Uh, I thought he withstood a ton, a ton of a ton more punishment than I thought he could withstand in that Anthony Joshua fight. I was just sitting there, you know, watching that fight, going, I can't believe this guy's still fucking standing. I mean, because because Joshua can crack. He may not be able to crack qu- quite as hard as Wilder, but that's not a guy you want to get hit by, you know, big shots multiple times. You don't see many guys stay up. He, he puts guys down. So, you know, it is what it is, man. I think the biggest, the bigger thing, the bigger discussion that should be had right now is this is the start of a run of three heavyweight fights with three of the best fighters in the division that are fighting guys that we know what's going to happen. Okay. Okay. They may, you know, Fury may not end up knocking out Tom Schwartz because Fury's not a knockout puncher. But we know what's going to happen in that fight. There's no doubt in the outcome. There's no doubt in the outcome of Wilder Brazil. There's no doubt in the outcome of Joshua Ruiz. Right now, you know, there's all this talk of the fucking renaissance of the heavyweight division, and it's so goddamn great these days, and this, that, and the other. It's the most frustrating division as a fan in the sport of boxing, and it's just fucking narrow-minded thinking of these promoters and the greed to, you know, it's like they have, they have that Mayweather syndrome where they're trying, they all think that there's that fight where they can, you know, they can sell it for a hundred dollars and 3 million people will buy it and everybody will get rich. Yeah. That can happen. If you put these guys in the ring with each other, if you, these fights can be mixed and matched in many different ways and you can include Dillian white in it and you can include a couple other guys in it and they can all be great fights and that's what will build the heavyweight division not these guys beating a bunch of fucking guys that we know they're going to beat and you know other, we're get, we're worried about the casual fan right now the casual fan is not tuning in for these fights i'm sorry they're just not you look at the numbers in the sport right now and they are what they are the the, the viewership numbers aren't going up it's not like boxing has been picking up fans It's it it is what it is, you know, but it can get to the the point where you can have three million people buying a fight. But they 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 drop the ball by not making Wilder Fury too. Make that fight. Why wait? Why wait for the Joshua fight? They can fight more than once, they can all fucking lose and it doesn't matter. Those if those fights are good, more people will come back the second time. If they would have just ran Fury Wilder back immediately. Uh, dude, it would have doubled, at least doubled in pay-per-view buys. To me, it's they're, they're going about it all wrong. It, it, you're not going to get fucking Mayweather Pacquiao. That was a one-off. You're not going to get 4 million people to buy a pay-per-view ever again. If you do, I'll be shocked. You, if you do it and you make the fights now, you might be able to get one that does a million and a half or two million or whatever. But you're not going to get Mayweather Pacquiao and stop feeding us these garbage fights, uh, you know, trying to lead us down this never ending fucking yellow brick road to nowhere. Cause it's annoying. It gets old as a fan.
1: Well, you know, look, the fact that this thing is on Showtime doesn't make any sense at all. You know, I, again, with pay-per-view numbers and, and what could be and can't be, and you know, the, you're exactly right. These promoters and these fighters, they get obsessed with like this fucking diamond in the rough mentality. That's never going to happen again, but putting this on Showtime, I mean, if there's one thing that we do know in tracking, uh, if, you know, if, if, if numbers are what you track, because there's a segment of boxing fans out there that do that Showtime doesn't have any more subscribers. So I can tell you right now that this fight will for all of you diehard numbers, watchers out there and all you diehard fanagers out there, Here's my prediction for Wilder versus Brazil. Nobody fucking watches it. So there you have it. Um, you know, the fact that they threw rat, uh, rat-faced Espinoza a bone on this one is just absolutely beyond me. What, you know, Jarrett Hurd and Julian Williams did 2 million views on on Fox, you know? And what could the heavyweight champion of the world do if this fight was on Fox? I mean, that's where it needs to be. Just get rid of fucking Showtime altogether, man. It's just, it's tired. It's faded. It's, it's, it's done you done, son. Yeah. See you later, Espinoza. Here, I will help you. I will carry your alligator skin fucking bags down to your Bentley for you, okay? Right. You know what I'm saying? And I'll drive it into the East River for you. Um, you know, as far as this fight goes, Vin, Deontay Wilder should do exactly what you said. The problem that I have with this fight, besides the, you know, I think, I think the promotion behind this, I think diehards will watch if they still have showtime. Um, it'll be exciting because Deontay Wilder fights are exciting. As a as a as a fan that is in agreement with you about the stagnation of the heavyweight division, this is a fight that I feel like I've already watched. You know, you look at Deontay Wilder's resume from the first Berman staverne fight, you know, back in January of 2015, and you just kind of run through the list of opponents from Eric Molina to Johan Duapis. Arthur Spielka, Chris Nips, Gerald Washington, and then Stavern again, right? Chris Nips. I mean, all those guys are just Dominic Brazil, right? I mean, so that's why I feel like I've I've seen this before. Might as well. And why I feel like I'm going to see the same result. Now, here here's something interesting because Deontay Wilder does have a way to make his own fights look interesting, and he's not purposely letting his <laughs> opponent into the fight. It's just his style um, and the way that he head hunts and the way that he waits for it that there are stretches in these fights where his opponent, now minus, you know, you get these one-offs here and there where it just ends very abruptly and very violently. I think Dominic Brazil is, you know, he'd been around long enough. He didn't have a, uh, you know, he was a college football player, didn't have the amateur pedigree or background or anything, but he's athletic enough. And we've seen him box well enough in spurts that I think he's going to make this thing look interesting until Deontay Wilder makes it. Look a lot more interesting, you know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, it's it's the I mean, we all know look, it's one punch and it's gonna happen. Brazil's not some like you know, swift defensive fighter that doesn't get hit in fights, he gets touched up every fight he's in. He gets hit, you know, he got touched up by Eric Molina a little bit, he won the fight. But you're, I mean, if guys like that are, are connecting on you, and Joshua's able to, you know, think about the difference between a Joshua, uh, right hand. And a Wilder right hand. I am not saying Joshua's right hand isn't very good and very quick to the target, but Wilder's is, in my opinion, uh, much quicker and much sharper to the target and hits with with more force. So I, you know, I just can't see in any way, shape, or form that he is able to, you know, just look at the odds for uh, the. I, I believe it's, um, I want to say it's like minus two sixty for the fight to be under nine and a half rounds. So that tells you right there. I mean, everybody, everybody is expecting a right hand to land at some point. You know, the, the, the heavyweight division has a bigger picture and uh, Dominic Brazil is not a part of that bigger picture. Deontay Wilder is, you know, even if this fight is close and goes the distance, there ain't no way Brazil's winning a decision, man. You know how much money that's going to cost everybody in the sport? It ain't going to fucking happen. It's not going to happen. So,
1: yeah, it's boom boomer bust, baby. Yeah. It, it,
0: you know, it is what it is, man. This is just one of them fights. Only because I, I love watching Deontay Wilder fight, and I'm a huge Deontay Wilder fan, will I be tuning in? Otherwise, I couldn't give a shit, because I know what's going to happen.
1: All right. Well, FaceTime the feed to me, will you? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, all right. So uh in the co main um Gary Russell Jr versus Kiko Martinez. Um You're I don't really have much
0: Ken. knockout. It's done.
1: <laughs> yeah, there there you have it. Um look, I'm not going to get on my pulpit for this one. I'll keep it very simple. This fight should have never been allowed to be made. How right? how
0: is he not fighting a mandatory when he only fights once a year?
1: Dude, I don't know. <laughs> I I I just think it's just it's 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 remarkable to me that how little and how how just completely uninterested in boxing Gary Russell Jr. is, and they tee up a guy that literally should have all of his boxing licenses revoked. I mean, the beatings he's taken, he's he he is he's, he's got no more tread on his tires. He's literally bouncing down the road on rims. You know what I'm saying? What? This is a joke. The fight should not have been sanctioned. It's an absolute joke. And Gary Russell can make his appearance once a year and talk trash about how he's gonna fight Javante Davis and how he's gonna do this, how he's gonna get that rematch with Lomachenko. And then guess what? Once he knocks out this total washed up shadow of himself in Kiko Martinez, then he'll disappear and then he'll reappear sometime in 2020. So fucking wake me up in 2020. <laughs>
0: I'm with you, brother. I just hope for for Kiko's, you know, for Kiko's sake that He's at least getting a decent payday on his way out the door because at this point, it's it's unnecessary punishment that he's taken, and you hate to see a guy that was, you know, once a a respected uh, warrior in the ring, and and you know his. He, I would say he had those last bits of warrior kind of taken from him by Carl Frampton in those two fights. Um, you, it's it's much along the lines of Vargas when we were talking about it earlier. You hate to see guys that have given everything to the sport kind of just. Take it one last time, and it just be the you know the one time too many later on in life when you catch them slurring words or or whatever you know it, it's I, I hate to see that happen to to a guy like Kiko Martinez man.
1: Yeah, well, anyways, the fight's are irrelevant. Um, Deontay Wilder versus Dominic Brazil on Showtime. Um, let's get over to uh, Glasgow, Scotland, for the World Boxing Super Series, the continuation of the semifinals here, Vin. Um, we have Ivan Baranchuk defending his IBF junior welterweight title against Josh Taylor um, and Emmanuel Rodriguez versus the monster, Niowa in a way. Uh, This is interesting because you have the anticipation of what, can be in the 140 and 118 pound championships and the fighters that are sitting there waiting in Regis Progre and Nonito Donaire, and you see the names Josh Taylor and Niwa Inouye and you just froth at the mouth at the championship potential matchups here. so that being said um, without getting into too much of the X's and the O's does let's start with the 140 pound bout does Ivan Baranchuk Does he have the tools in his toolbox to be able to upset such a tricky? um, I don't want to, you know, Josh Taylor's still young. So to call him a master boxer at this point, I think that we can maybe dub him uh, um, that, you know, if he's able to make this through and if he's able to beat the likes of a Regis Progre. But he is an elite talent. And I don't think Ivan Baronchuk is that. Does he have anything? for josh taylor in this fight
0: uh I, you know on a on a skill level uh you know i think there's a there's a pretty big gap i think josh taylor is one of the slickest southpaws we have out there in boxing one of the most uh under
1: what do you mean by we ben? what do you mean by we
0: <laughs> we as white people ken <laughs> <laughs> um oh man that was a freudian slip wasn't it ken we. <laughs> but look dude it, it, it's it, josh taylor is one of the most underappreciated talents in the sport i don't think there's enough people and uh, the same thing goes for now in a way too because he just kind of smaller division flies under the radar but there's there hasn't been enough talk about this fight because what baron chuck will do in this fight is push taylor to the limit because he has an unbelievable motor He's got a hell of a heart, and, and any fight he's been in, you can never say that Ivan Baranchuk didn't bring it all and then some. And he will bring it to Taylor. And this is a, you know, this is probably, you know, we saw Taylor beat Postol pretty handily, um, you know, and that's a tough fight. But I think this this fight will be tougher because it will test the metal of Josh Taylor, and will be the the perfect preparation for and you know, if he wins this fight, which I think he will, he will win. I'm going to say eight rounds to four, nine rounds to three pretty easily. He'll beat Baron Chuck, but there'll be moments in the fight where he gets pushed and Baron Chuck is the perfect kind of get him ready fighter for an eventual eventual fight with Regis Progre. So, you know, I, I love the fight. I love both fighters. To me, Josh Taylor is I've been so high on him for the last two years. And I've been saying, I think he's the best 140 pound fighter in the world when he only had nine fights, 10 fights, as soon as Terrence Crawford made his move out of the 140-pound division, I went down the list and I said, that's the guy right there, Josh Taylor.
1: Let me ask you this. If if Josh Taylor gets through this fight and wins um, in front of his home crowd um, and then is uh, you know scheduled to take on Regis Progray in the final, first off, have you heard anything about where the potential championship for that fight would take place? And I'm thinking logically, if I'm, if I'm the matchmaker here, I put it somewhere in the middle. I don't put it back, you know, down in new Orleans and I don't have it in, in Scotland, but if they had that, you know, this championship fight, let, you know, let's just say at the Eagle bank arena, the arena we were just at, or even if they had it up at uh, you know, Madison square garden, um, would that be a fight pro gray versus Taylor that you would make a, a trip for?
0: Uh, that would be something that I would definitely entertain. That's for sure. But it's a tough sell. That fight's a tough sell in the States anywhere because you know, Progre has been fighting down in, in in Louisiana, and he's not really selling a ton of tickets. And you're not going to bring a guy like Josh Taylor over here and put him on the billboards and try to promote this. And for one, the WBSS does n- zero to negative promoting of their fights. I mean, they use social media, but that's about it. There beyond that, there's there's very little promotion for these fights. And you know, you wonder if Regis Progre is is willing to to take a trip across the pond because I think the most logical place is somewhere in England, uh, you know, maybe not at the SSE arena because I doubt uh, Progre is going to want to, you know, go into the backyard of, of Scott Taylor but I, or, or Josh Taylor. I just think uh, it's just a hard sell in the States, man. I would love for it, you know, a great spot for the fight would probably be the theater at, at Madison Square Garden. if you If you want to put it there. I think they could sell that place out, but beyond like you know five, six, seven, thousand seats, that fight's not going to sell that well. Now, that's fine with me because that fight uh tickles my fancy in every way possible, my friend. I mean that 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 fight spells Fight of the Year much along the lines that Heard Williams did. That's why I've been just clamoring for this tournament to hurry up and get to that point because to me, uh, you know those two styles match up absolutely perfectly.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's the matchup that everybody wants to see. But Josh Taylor is going to have to get through the IBF 140 pound champion first. Um, all right, also on the bill, we got Emmanuel Rodriguez defending his IBF bantamweight title against Niowa okay. Inouye. Um, does this fight end in any other way than just pure devastation um, as the monster devours uh, Emmanuel?
0: I, you know, as soon as I say that this will be his toughest fight, which, you know, on paper it is his toughest fight so far, I, you know, I can't, I, I think so highly of now in a way that I just can't see Emmanuel Rodriguez lasting more than seven or eight rounds in that fight. And I'd be surprised if he even lasts that long because this kid is electric, man. He is so, so electric and, you know, I, I don't know what it's going to take for him to get on the radar of your regular everyday fight fan outside of your diehard fight fan, like, you know, us and a lot of the people that we talk to about boxing all the time, but uh, you know, if they can figure out a way to promote this kid in the States or maybe just he'd be, he'd be one of these guys that they just, you know, kind of doing an around the world type of deal with where he fights all over the place because he's something that I think at some point I'm going to go live to see him fight because it's, I believe he's one of those fighters that you got to see live to appreciate and to, to, to fully appreciate, much like I would say seeing a Lomachenko live and up close, it kind of gives you extra appreciation for how good he is to see it in person. Uh, this kid is is a special, special talent, man. He's maybe one of the three, four best pound-for-pound fighters in the world right now. And, and you know, for uh, on most diehards, you know, true boxing fans list, he would probably be up there.
1: Well, if you're gonna if you're gonna go travel to see Niowa in then you better start uh, brushing up on your uh, reruns of Karate Kid and get that uh, Japanese dialect down. Hey,
0: I'm all about wearing that headband. I'll, I'll rock that thing all day, So <laughs> Miyagi Do
1: Dojo. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, representing. Um, yeah, I think this ends in dramatic fashion. I mean, in a way, just has this these dude his his his, his power or like you know, like compressed, like pistons, like firing, you know what I mean? It's like the power of, of like hydraulic pistons. Um, and when he lets them go, dude, it, it's just, it's just violent and it's nasty. Um, and I think the reason why everybody's so excited for the, you know, the potential matchup um, with Donaire in the final is, is that Donaire has his power at 118 pounds. You know, I hate to break it to you, but uh, you know, these Japanese fighters are known for their chins. but We have not seen in a way take a left, from uh, you know, Nonito Donaire at 118 pounds with his old man strength, who can still crack, yeah. and that's that's the intriguing part of that. Now, most of us are going to be saying many prayers for the well being and the future of Nonito Donaire should that fight happen in the final. Um, but it's still uh, you know a mouth watering uh, prospect nonetheless. Oh, that that's going to be
0: a massive fight that we're going to be waking up early in the morning to watch. I can guarantee you that because it ain't going to be in this country.
1: <laughs> Um, all right. So that is the, uh, world boxing super series semifinals. Um, hopefully that they will get the finals in by the end of this year. And I think that that would be good waiting till next year for the, uh, for the finals to take place is just going to continue to, uh, um, sort of kill the future prospects of the WBSS man. Cause it, you know, luckily they got matchups enough to keep this thing alive in the peripheral of everybody's um, you know, minds, but boxing is busy this year. More fights are being announced. Uh, the prospects of more fights, more fight rumors. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, you're starting to see fights being scheduled in, in in months where traditionally boxing has sort of died out during the summer months, during, you know, July and August, and then things pick back up in September. Um, but it looks like we might have a fight. It's, it's close to being made from what we understand. Mike Coppinger was reporting on it today on Twitter. Um, for an August fight on Fox pay-per-view from the Staples Center in Los Angeles, California, as uh, Danny Garcia would square up in a welterweight contest against Mikey Garcia. I'm going to let you uh, lead off on this before I uh, before I hit it out of the park.
0: You got a few things to say, do you?
1: <laughs> Just a few. It's it's, it's, it's hey a hey, it's nine o'clock p.m. on Tuesday night, and I'm very tired. Then, but I got I got one more in me. All right, you got one one bullet in the chamber.
0: I'm I'm going to I'm going <laughs> yeah. to say this about it. Um, I'm not surprised at all. I, I'm just not shocked. It, you know, as soon as the fight got announced, I was like, yeah, you know, that makes fucking perfect sense. We talked about yeah, it. We, we, we did talk about it a couple of weeks ago, didn't we?
1: Yep.
0: Uh, you know, it is what it is. You know, it's a, the, the, the funniest thing to me is that it's a pay-per-view fight. Danny Garcia is not a pay-per-view fighter. Mikey Garcia against Danny Garcia is not a pay-per-view fight that anybody's going to buy. Anybody that has any sense is going to pay $75 for I'm sorry this fight on any other platform sure why not I don't necessarily have any fucking problem with the matchup itself it's not terrible it's not great it's okay but pay-per-view man come on
1: get up onto these nuts motherfuckers because I ain't paying for that stupid shit Uh, dude the whole thing is just I don't know man I mean Mikey Garcia truly does not care about his legacy. That is one hundred percent. The pockets is fat though, Ken. Yeah, I mean that's that's all this is. He is in money grab mode, and that is fine. Go grab your money. But I think what's going to be the funniest part about when we look back on Mikey Garcia's career is, yeah, he's rich, but what a fucking clown this guy was. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, have you ever seen somebody talented? in what they do, literally cut every corner possible. And at the risk of being just completely embarrassed, I mean, what Errol Spence did to Mikey Garcia is one of the most embarrassing things I've ever seen in boxing. It, it really is. It's one of the most embarrassing things I've ever seen in boxing. Mikey Garcia, and I just keep on hearing this, okay, about how fucking great he is and how how just elite he is. And people still have them, still have him, on their pound for pound lists, well, that's a joke. It it, it is it, it is just absolutely bizarre to me. And what could be worse than getting embarrassed by Errol Spence? Getting embarrassed by Danny Garcia. And here's the thing about this, right? <laughs> and that's that is no that is no knock against Danny Garcia at all. This has nothing to do with with Danny Garcia. What it has to do with is that Mikey Garcia thinks. That he's cherry picking the one welterweight that he can beat. That's what he thinks he's doing. He thinks he's creating a path to Manny Pacquiao with this. I'm sorry, man. He is one thing Mikey Garcia has proven is he does not belong at 147 pounds. He's barely the best fighter in his own weight classes that he should be in that that he should exist in that he should thrive in. He's at a weight class where he has no fucking power, none. The only, the, I don't even call it an advantage. The only tool that he has in his tool bag at 147 pounds is a gigantic head. That's it. <laughs> he's he's so far gone when it comes to realizing what he is capable of doing in the ring. And he's cashing checks right now. And his fans, which all all of them will be out there saying, yeah, he's making that money. He's cashing checks. And guess what? Nobody, not you, not you, Mikey Garcia fanboy, not me, not Vin, not anybody is going to see a fucking penny of it. Actually, you are going to be in the negative when you buy this fight. And I'm putting my money on Danny Garcia winning this fight because I don't think Mikey Garcia belongs anywhere near 147 pounds. He's not a transcendent talent. He's a great talent for a limited number of weight classes and cherry picking weight classes The way that Mikey Garcia has done in his career is no different than the despicable Adrian Broner. It's no different. And I hope once again, Mikey Garcia gets paid an astronomical amount of money and he gets fucking embarrassed in the process because that's, what's going to (laughs) happen.
0: It said it's going to be six to eight mil, which is unbelievable to me because look, I, I, I sent a tweet out earlier as to what this fight is. This is the emeritus lightweight champ facing the fifth best uh, welterweight in the world to, to establish who is going to be the gatekeeper at welterweight. This this all this fight is. That's what to me, you know, to put this on fucking pay-per-view guys, what is going on here? This will now be the fifth pay-per-view and they're saying August is when this fight's going to happen. it will be five pay-per-views in nine months five and nine months from the PBC. Now, as much as I've said over the last year or so, and I've said it recently that since the second half of 2017, the PBC has given us the more competitive fights and they've kind of taken the lead as far as being the, being more consistent than any other outfit in boxing and producing decent fights. But that does not cloud, don't let that cloud the air. Because a lot of them have been pay-per-view and they shouldn't have been. And in an era where, you know, the, the platform w- with which the PBC has run and they still run by putting fights on Fox and FS1, you know, having it on more accessible platforms, you're not helping anybody but the fighters' pockets. You're not helping the sport. This is not this does nothing for the sport. This does nothing for fight fans. This is not a fight that anybody asks for or anybody really cares about because it doesn't lead to anything except for what you said. The winner of this fight will fight the winner of Pacquiao Thurman. And that's, what's going to happen. It's, I mean, it's already fucking, I, that path is already written in script. It doesn't, There's there's no deviating from it, you know? And it, to me, it's, it's just a fucking joke. So who's Errol Spence going to fight after he fucking destroys Sean Porter and no disrespect to Sean Porter, but that's, what's going to happen. So, you know,
1: the fight Broner, yeah.
0: All of this like nonsense, nonsense. <laughs> Excuse me. And guess what? We're not going to get. And I'll tell you, fight fans, right now. You may keep the dream alive all you want. Your your dreams of Crawford Spence, let them live on. Okay, keep on dreaming. But I'm going to be in the back in the head, back of your head, whispering, "Hey, dipshit, that fight ain't happening. Don't get your hopes up." Don't 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 think it's happening in late 2020 or early 2021. Spence is going to run through the guys the PBC has at welterweight, and he's going to keep it moving right on up to 154 or right on up to 160 with a big fight with somebody else. We as boxing fans, you're going to be led down this path of nonsense, where you know it's all written out as to what's going to happen, and you and we're not going to get the one fight that everybody wants to see. Because guess what? These promoters don't want to work with each other. They're not interested in, you know, what the possibilities of how much money could be made in a Terrence Crawford Spence fight, which is very odd to me. But it's all about their their own pocket, their side of the fence, their greed. And I don't care what anybody says. And I know I'll catch I'll catch flack for saying it right now, but look, man, in my opinion, the problem here is that Al Heyman because he has the fighters that he has at welterweight and he doesn't have to go outside of his stable to make a decent fight that will sell to pbc fans which there are plenty of out there he doesn't have to do anything so why even entertain a f- entertain the fact of your you know future cash cow that you're building losing to a, a guy like terrence crawford and kind of you know again, it shouldn't matter because I guarantee the fight would be an outstanding fight and win or lose. It it wouldn't matter. Both fighters would gain from it, but that's not how he, that's not how he's viewing it from in his world, in the PBC world. I don't have to do that. And you know what? He can freeze out Terrence Crawford. And I don't know when Terrence Crawford's, uh, new contract with top rank is up. I don't know it off the top of my head, But I think that's probably what he would hope for is that, well, maybe I can get Terrence Crawford to come over to this side of the fence because you can even hear it when the fighters talk, when Errol Spence talks about it, you on the wrong side of the street, son. That should not, that should never come out of a fighter's mouth. Just imagine if back in the day, I can't, I can't imagine you would never hear it. If, uh, if Tommy Hearn said to Marvin Hagler. Well, you on the wrong side of the street, son. And that fight never happened for that stupid ass reason. And we we as boxing fans never got to see the greatest three rounds in the history of the sport. I mean, this is what the the sport suffers. The fans suffer. It's just bad all around. And I'm telling you folks, I hate to rain on the parade, but Crawford Spence, put it to bed. You ain't getting it.
1: Yeah, and I would love to sit here and, you know, come with some sort of counter argument to that or say, oh, Vin, stop being so negative. But I can confirm that uh, this information is come from a very credible source, a very um, uh, high up individual within um, the promotional entities at play. And um, so I can confirm this. And uh, yeah, so Vin's right. Um, So back to Mikey Garcia real quick, man. Um, <laughs> you weren't done yet, huh? <laughs> no, just, uh, you know, look, here's what I want to say about Danny Garcia and Mikey Garcia, okay? I'm going to repeat exactly what I just said right before you started talking. No, I'm not. Um, Honestly, I think that this could be way worse for Mikey Garcia. I do. I think that Danny Garcia has the capability with his style of punching and Mikey Garcia is not going to want to lay an egg like he did against Errol Spence. And Danny Garcia is going to fucking clip him with a counter left. Mark my words. Hey, think, Mark my words. Think about
0: how many times Lipinet's caught him. And he said Lipinets stung him. And, and he, he did say after the Spence fight that Lipinets hit harder. Which you know, I'm not so sure.
1: I believe that statement. Blah blah. blah. What what out of Mikey Garcia's mouth makes any fucking sense? I, I, the guy talks sideways. I, I don't. He's I, best friends with Ellie Sekbeck, <laughs> who's more concerned instead of act, instead of asking Charlo a boxing question at his press conference with Tony Harrison, what? he's asking him how many pair of fucking shoes he has.
0: Yeah, last time I saw you had them. It's like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? We've been telling people for years. You know, this guy goes into gyms and asks fighters what their favorite food is, what their favorite color is, who their favorite cartoon (laughs) character is. It's like, this information is useless, Ellie. Thank you.
1: (laughs) That's Mikey Garcia's boy, though. (laughs) Oh, man. You know, it's uh, who knows, man. Who knows? Um, But Danny Garcia versus Mikey Garcia. This is this is typical. So, you know, we shall see. Um, much more interested in, uh, in 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 Thurman versus Pacquiao. That's the you know, that's the pay-per-view event um, you know, for later in the summer that is, is most intriguing to me. I could care less about either of these guys because I don't think either of these guys can beat either of those two guys. So it's like, okay, cool. So we're just building to this ultimate like Spence will go on like hiatus after he beats Porter, or they'll give him like a you know, tune up fight against Adrian Broner and then Danny Garcia beats Mikey Garcia and then it's and then it's a rematch of Danny Garcia versus Keith Thurman in the winter fight Spence that that would be the most just uh, I don't know. Would I love to see Thurman versus Spence? Yes. But I don't want to see it like that way. You know what I mean? No. I'd almost r- rather in some weird sadistic way see Mikey Garcia versus Manny Pacquiao in the Winter Fights, Harold Spence. You know, like, do we have to go through? Wait a second. You, certain-
0: want, you want Garcia Spence, too? No,
1: no. <laughs> hey, it ain't. No, Ken no pa- Pacquiao, pacquiao fucking ktfo and mikey garcia ducky one want- ducky wants none okay ducky had ducky had his chance at top rank and ducky wants none oh man i love it yeah me too me too um all right so let's leave it there um end it with a little bit of fun on uh episode 232 of the tale of the tape what we got on tap for next week anything going on next week we got some fights next week uh you know anything about some boxing for next
0: week yeah we got plenty of shit coming down the road there's uh, i mean the schedule is packed here for the next two or three weeks now whether they're worth a shit or not that's a different story but uh there'll be boxing on folks (laughs)
1: lots and lots of boxing before we leave uh pay our respects uh to harold letterman uh passed away on saturday got the news while we were um at the herd uh versus j-rock fight um One of the great ambassadors to the sport, a guy that was a diehard, diehard boxing fan, um, went to as many fights as he could, um, was a professional boxing judge himself, um, had had impacts on anybody that 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 you have uh, heard, um, you know, telling their stories and their memories about uh, Harold Letterman throughout, uh, you know, since the time that he passed. Their stories are unique and their stories are are, you know, heartfelt and truthful and and make sense if you've ever met the guy. Um his impact on the sport, being an ambassador to the sport, his his signature voice uh voice uh, as an unofficial scorecard um keeper for HBO. Hey Jim, you know, and just just Harold had a such a positive impact on fights and was such a huge part of that HBO broadcast, um, you know, before it started uh to decline. The fact that he got to be a part of the final broadcast uh, you know, while battling cancer. Um, you know, it was just great to hear his voice one last time. Um, I had the opportunity to meet him and speak with him for about five minutes with my wife. Uh, we were at will call getting tickets, um, for the Ruslan Provodnikov, uh, versus Lucas Matisse fight at Turning Stone Resort in upstate New York. And, uh, you know, he was standing right there and, you know, I stopped him just to say hi, maybe get a picture with him. And I didn't even say hi or get a picture with him. Just sat there and talked with him about the fight. Um, and he just said he loved Provodnikov. He said, Matisse is due um, you know, I asked him who he thought was going to win. And he said that he, th- he thought Provodnikov would turn it on late, uh, because, you know, Matisse couldn't just win that big fight. And it was a quick brief, but it was all about boxing conversation. And the guy couldn't have been nicer. It was almost like he was so excited that I asked him about his opinion on the fight, you know, and, um, uh, while that's not one of these, you know, career changing stories that you've been reading about guys that have been in the, um, you know, in the boxing game, um, for a really, really long time. It was a special moment for me as a, as a, you know, a traveling boxing fan, um, to get to meet a guy that had such a huge impact on the sport.
0: Nah, yeah. look, I would just say this about, you know, we, on this show, we've, we let you know when something's wrong or something sucks or this or that, and the other, and we complain about it as a boxing fan. You could go back through the history of every episode of everything. You have ne- you will never hear a bad word spoken about Harold Letterman. He was always just, uh, every time he was on point. Scorecards were always right around what was the right score. The guy was just a, you know, he had a, a, a wealth of boxing knowledge that, you know, he's just a true, true boxing fan that kind of lived out his dream on, on, on HBO scoring fights. And, and Look, the boxing world will, will miss him. I
1: mean, that, that's for damn sure. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why he's in the Hall of Famer. So, uh, you know, rest in peace to the Hall of Famer, Harold Letterman. Um, you know, and with that we leave you here on episode 232 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. We'll be back next week with episode 233. Um, thanks for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spreaker, and on Spotify and drop by the Boxing Rant YouTube channel today. Follow us on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and of course follow us on Twitter at Vince Cummings81 at Kenny Keith Jr and at The Boxing Rant. So until next week, we appreciate all of you tuning in to the Tale of the Tape Boxing podcast here on The Boxing Rant. Muchas gracias, everybody.